guys, we have a huge announcement to make. The McAllister Arts Podcast is going to be doing something completely new and different. We're going to be creating our first ever action comedy film entitled The Chronic Crusaders about one of our favorite subjects, cannabis. We have already got a solid cast and crew behind this project with the goal of releasing on April 24. Now, as everyone in show business knows, the one thing you desperately need to get a film started is funding. And that's where you, the listener, come in. Even if you only have a dollar or two to spare, this helps us tremendously. So, if you're a fan of the podcast and want to help, this is your chance. Please check out the link in the description for the Kickstarter to donate. Again, we appreciate all the listeners for tuning in every week, and we hope you consider helping this dream become a reality. Stutterbox Productions is a backbone for many of the events they see in the Midwest, from EDM festivals to late-night hip-hop shows. This company has been working closely with this podcast since the beginning, and we always have plenty of things planned for the future. So, if you're looking to plan your next Get Gear event, head over to their Facebook page to learn more today. Alright, guys, this is the McAllister's Podcast. I'm your host, always called McAllister. Uh, we're joined today by a very special guest, um, Luane L. White. Hey, how's it um, going? Good, man. Yourself? Yeah, good enough. Good. <laughs> good. Um, we met each other at the video production yep. um, program at DMAC, and, you know, just getting to know you, I've discovered that you've actually done, you know, quite a bit. You've been working in video for how many How many years, would you say? I don't know, forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the first movie I ever acted in that, um, that saw like completion was probably in 2003. Okay. Um, wow. I don't, I don't think it was ever distributed. It was a movie called Vamoose um, that probably was sort of riding that second wave of Tarantino esque mm. kind of movies. Sure. Sure. Um, and I don't think anything ever came from that. I got a chance to see a screener of it after it was completed. And then I don't know what happened after that. Mm. Um, and then I got connected with <clears throat> the, uh, the Iowa Scriptwriters Alliance um, from another short film that I was working on. And um, entered a competition, and in order to enter the script writing competition and be a member of the organization, I'm like, well, technically a student still, so I'll take the student rate and join the organization. <laughs> and uh, the the script was selected, and they shot it at this thing called Shooting Scripts, which they used to is a project they used to do at the Black Box Theater in uh, Drake University. So members of the Iowa Motion Picture Association, the IMPA would shoot scripts selected by the ISA, which is the Iowa Scriptwriters Alliance. And they select, uh, they selected my script. Um, it's called Baby Steps, which was actually mm. a crime story. Mm. And um, so they shot it and another short film um, in the uh, same day at Drake with an audience so that people could see how production worked, at least studio production worked for for something like that and at at one point or another they had each of the writers come up and talk about what they were doing um the other one was uh, a script by a guy named chuck hughes who um there was a movie several years ago ed and his dead mother um and i don't know if you that's may have been a while back did but, he do the movie uh like dan's life uh, did you do you write the script for um look at look at who wrote the script for who's in gilbert grape 
or what's Ian Gilbert great? Because I think I actually know who you're talking about. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. And so um, there was a, I think it was a Columbia. It was was a New York film student had come to shoot mine. And then Chuck's was shot by, um, and I'm going to forget his name now. He's an Iowa writer who, um, he wrote, and uh, he wrote uh, Road to Perdition. Mm. Um, He's got a bunch of, of, uh, like, historical fiction uh, mystery novels. And for some reason, his name escapes me, and I feel terrible about it. Um, <laughs> who, who'd you say? Peter. Okay, different Hedges. Yeah, Peter Hedges, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Ed, yeah. <laughs> so. Peter Hedges, yeah. Ed, he, Ed, he, uh, yeah. No, um, Chuck Hughes is a different guy. But, uh, okay. yeah, no, Hedges is, is uh, yeah, another local from a long, oh, a while no, okay. back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, They're all the same. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Guys who, who went off and went and, like, made movies instead of staying here in Iowa like I did. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and then, you know, um, I, it kind of puts around with some of those, uh, sort of things. Um, there was a group called the Iowa digital filmmakers guild, uh, in Eastern Iowa that also put out a, a thing for, uh, short scripts. And they selected one I wrote called drop gun and it was produced, looked really good, went to a bunch of competitions, won a bunch of stuff. Awesome. And then the film, film incentives program happens in Iowa, right? So this is, you know, early. 2010s or whatever and uh somebody was like hey um we really liked that short drop gun could you write a feature i mean sure if i had the money and time to do it okay so they basically optioned the script right and so i'm gonna write it and because there's now money to make movies briefly in iowa um they're like yeah you'll be next in line after this other one because there were they were going to produce two different scripts mine and another one Wow. And that script writer got their script done before I got mine done. So, well, all right, we'll start on hers and then we'll come back and get yours. All right, fine. So um, they got hers shot and then the program collapsed. <laughs> I was going to so, say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's gone. So, yeah, dropping that feature was never made. How did, how did that feel going through that? That must have been like <laughs> gut-wrenching. Dude, oh, yeah, because it, it was one of those things where you're like, all right, yay, we're going to finally make movies. And I know people who are like quitting their straight jobs and working, like getting hired as actors or as crew. And then, oh yeah, that's all just going to go away. Poof. Like there's no, there's no taper, no nothing. It's just, that's it. We're all done. We're stopping everything because now we've got to figure out what's going wrong. Well, a lot of things. I don't want to say anything (laughs) that could go wrong because I don't know what the statute of limitations is on on (laughs) slanderous stuff. So I'll just leave that alone. But, (laughs) but yeah, the, the, the program just gone. And, at the end of the day, the idea of it was great. And it obviously worked in New Mexico and, and places like that, because that's how you get breaking bad. Right. Mm. Like that, that's, you know, New Mexico becomes film friendly. Breaking bad shows up out there. That's how Georgia gets all the Marvel stuff. Right. Like, huh. Georgia has a really good into films incentive program. So Marvel's like, well, shit, we'll just shoot a bunch of movies here where we can get it for even less. Now we can spend half a billion dollars and get a whole billion dollars worth of money out of our yeah, buddy, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And then after the problem, part of the problem with the program was that the people who were supposed to be running it, I don't think really knew what they were doing. Mm. At least that was my initial. Um, I think maybe that was not the case. I think that there was perhaps some criminal intent, but that's beside the point. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Um, but... Um, I, I, from a local perspective, 
there wasn't a lot of backing. Like unless you were in or tangentially related to anything involving video production, you're like, why would I be giving money to people who are going to come here and then leave? Right. Like Mm. the, the average farmer does not give a shit if you're making a movie. Sure. Right. And which I get that. That's fine. It's not your thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, for, for people, it, for, there was a brief moment where people were actually making a living doing stuff like that. Um, and then it went away and there's a whole bunch of people who are like, crap, now I got to have a real job again. <laughs> and that sucks. <laughs> I got to go do like a regular nine to five thing. But, you know, there was also an actor I worked with on another short film who he had been acting for quite a while. And that was his primary source of income. And he happened to get a job at, you know, one of the insurance companies downtown. And he's like, oh my God, I have insurance <laughs> at, a, at a regular paycheck. And I'm like, okay, well, there's that too. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's part of what keeps me where I am, you know, at DMAC is I'm like, well, I mean, I, I have a better insurance program that I'm going to get any place else for the time being. And my kid's education is covered and my education is covered. That's how I can do the program. Um, so yeah, I'll, I don't know. I, I know there are a lot of like, like people that we went to school with already who are like, yeah, I'm going to go work in TV production and they go work in TV production. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I like having a second take. <laughs> I like, I like having a, 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 the ability to like, eh, let's try that again. Make sure yeah. we got it right. I don't Live TV and I are, mm, I don't think I can do that. Also insane hours. Yeah, that too. People who I know, who we know who have gone, yeah. like I have asked them to schedule like, yeah, I go into work at 3.30 in the morning. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. I can't. Uh, no. I'm not going to bed at 6 o'clock. Nope. <laughs> it's not happening. No, man. That's that's when I used to go to bed, man. I know right? that's not when I'm going to get up and go to work. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, no. It's it's the same reason I don't do like, like I usually don't do wedding photography or any of that stuff. It's not that like I have any particular aversion to it, but like, I, no, man, I, I can't ask the bride, hey, can, can we go back down the aisle and try that again? <laughs> Like I didn't really get, I, uh, I'd like to get a better shot with light a little different. That's not going to happen. And no, and I, I that's, I don't want to, that's just, I screw up too much. <laughs> I need a second or third take, man. <laughs> hey, I feel that. I feel that. Um, let me ask you this. Like, have you ever, like, does it ever get kind of, uh, like discouraging or anything like that? Like, because you know, like I feel like in Iowa, because I'm having the same struggle too. Yeah, where like in Iowa, a lot of it is like news and mm-hmm. um, wedding type stuff. So yep. like to to you know, get, like I said, I'm the same way. Like to to like just say like, hey, I don't really want to do that. I can imagine that's quite a struggle. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know how do you how do you uh, work with that or. Um. I mostly have a straight job that I have to rely <laughs> yeah. on. That's yeah. that's pretty much it. That's the answer, yeah. Um, and then on the weekends and in the evenings, you know, I go shoot stuff. Like, I mean, tomorrow I'm going to go out to, to Cedar Rapids. Sorry, Iowa City this time. Uh, out to Iowa City to see a screening of a web series that I've worked on a while oh, back. Oh, cool. Um, and so, you know, stuff gets done. Um, and what I'm finding is a lot of it isn't getting done here in central Iowa. It tends to be... Like Eastern Iowa is where I'm seeing a lot of production gets done. And you start seeing, when you see some of these productions, you start seeing some of the same people, you know, same cinematographers, same, same sound guys, stuff like that, you know? So there are people who are working and for whom this is a thing they can do, but I can't compete with any of these guys. Like Bruce, Bruce James Bales as a cinematographer. I'm never going to be 
I can't do that. I'm <laughs> yeah. never going to be a competition for him. He's going to be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> totally cool dude to work with. Great guy, but like, there's no way I could shoot anything that looks like he does. So of course they're going to hire him because if you can afford to, you you take, you know, you take Roger Deakins, you don't take Lewayne White. <laughs> so um, mostly what I end up doing um, is writing and producing my own stuff anymore. Like that's the sure. only way my stuff's getting done. Yeah, it, it, you know, is if I do it, and and that's part of the reason I do like the forty eight. Yeah. Like no matter what happens in a given year, I will have produced a movie. I will have done a short film at least, if nothing else, every year because I compete in the forty-eight hour film project. Um, last year I did two because they had the horror one. Nice. Um, nice. So yeah. So that always helps. Um, it also helps me keep in contact with people, right? So you know that people that you worked with on other projects, you don't have anything coming up right now, but it gives you something to do. And sometimes you just decide. <sighs> I got the scripts like two pages. Just want to go shoot that. Yeah, sure. Why not? You know, and that's how stuff gets done a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I move tangentially to a lot of filmmaking circles, but it's like, I don't feel like I'm really in a lot of them. You know, I <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. you know, I know people in this one or that one or whatever. So, you know, yeah, that's kind of a, um, like a weirdly beautiful thing about Iowa in a way. Yeah. It's like everybody's kind of, like in some regards, it's annoying, and because like I feel like it gets it gets clicky, right? And like yeah. be, like people kind of you know don't want to work with each other, but at the same time, there's like it also brings out the carpet for like a lot of like unique, right. different interpretations of things. I don't right. Know. Well, yeah. I mean, I like um, friendly faces. The thing that I I was talking about the the web series that we're doing the screening for. Mm-hmm. Um, the same team shot most of those episodes that shot this feature that um i was background for um a while back that the trailer for it just dropped it was a movie called knee high mm. uh based on a short and it, clicky or not they produce good stuff right so that's how that that's how they keep getting the work so i really get complained about that's what that. matters at the end of the day yeah yeah I mean, does this look good yeah are they great to work with yeah i mean like um carl that teaches like the acting classes at DMAC and stuff, mm. you know, he always talks about there, there are three things to consider when taking a project, at least as an actor. And I think it works for the other things as well, which is <clears throat> people pay project. <laughs> you need at least two of those three to work, mm. right? If you're not getting paid, you better like the project and the people you're working with. If you're getting paid, you still got to like the people you're working with or the project you're in. Like you, you need two of those three to hit for you. And since pay is usually <laughs> the thing that I'm not getting the most of, um, I got to like the people in the projects. And so luckily I have been able to use that as a, as a method of deciding what stuff I'm working on. You know, there, I have a chance to work on this project. I like those people. The project looks cool. Let's do that. Um, I don't know. You just, it's weird because this is a community that isn't, I mean, it's Iowa, right? It's not mm-hmm. LA. It's not New York. We don't have a thriving film community that nobody thinks about Iowa film as a real thing, except for when they want to complain about the incentives program or, or remind us about the baseball movie. <laughs> so like most of the time filmmaking at Iowa is sort of reduced down to like the cover bridges, the baseball movie, and like a bunch of shysters from outside the, uh, outside the state coming in and stealing a bunch of money. Right. Like that's the whole film program. And we're not going to be able to convince anybody otherwise. The only way Mm -hmm. that's going to happen is 
to just produce stuff. But we're not gonna. I don't care what anybody says. We're not gonna be. We're not gonna be the Midwestern Hollywood, right? That's mm. just we're not set up that way. We could be, but that would require more investment than the average person has. So, so let me ask you this: If there was a path forward, um, to like to make Iowa more of a media mm-hmm. center, like what what do you envision would be the way to do that? Um, I think what you need an infrastructure, right? Like you need. Because there's no shortage of actors, you can find yeah. you can find talent. What you need is <clears throat> is you need stuff on the production end. You need um, you need a bunch of companies like Deft, which is uh, Bruce uh, Bruce's company, right? You need people who can just show up on set. They know how to do a set. They know how to operate a set. They know how to shoot your movie. They know how to light your movie. They know how to do sound for your movie. We need more people like that. We also just need facilities that enable us to shoot. Like I know, I want to say um, there's the the place up in uh, Clear Lake. Clear Lake, right? Yeah. Like they've got, I guess they've got that 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 LED background thing, like what they use for the Mandalorian and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. I. I well, I, I went to the writing sem- seminar yeah. there, so I've seen that facility. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's up there, and I have no idea what it costs. Yeah. But I know I can't afford it. Like <laughs> right off the bat, like. I, I don't know what it is, but I know it's outside my range because it would almost have to be. Yeah. Right? And, and so that's, that's always the, th- that's the thing there, there isn't really infrastructure that facilitates large scale production, right? Like mm-hmm. a bunch of people can make a bunch of independent movies, you know, knee high, they shot it in like a week or two, right? Mm-hmm. It's a full length feature movie. It's, it looks fantastic. Just that what I've seen of it so far. It looks professional. It looks like anything else you're going to see as a, as a as a quality independent feature, right? But it's like a team of like 20 people, including the cast. So, you know, we just don't have the infrastructure for somebody to come in here with $120 million and shoot a giant blockbuster feature, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to have to be independent stuff yeah, for the most part yeah. you know the the you you, you could do like a, you could probably do a uh one to three million dollar horror movie you know, like you could get something like that done here mm-hmm. um i think they have before right the axe the axe killer movie the velisca oh the velisca velisca there's yeah there's been a couple of velisca movies <laughs> yeah didn't they film that here yeah there's you want to look that up google the, the- it <laughs> We got an assistant back, everybody. Yeah. Got a user. Um, the yeah, there's been a few like that, and, and again during the during the the incentives period, there was uh, I think it was Husk and some other horror films that were kind of oh, oh Husk Husk not, yeah, not Tusk no no that was Canadian. Uh, <laughs> there's Kevin Smith is not coming here to shoot anything. <laughs> Where is that lake? <laughs> yeah, it just sounded that way, but like you know the. There, Iowa would be a good uh, place to shoot a bunch of stuff, but oh, it was shooting Sean L.A. God damn it! Yeah, there That's was gorgeous. there was a Velisca uh, a Velisca movie shot here back in uh, 2012 or whatever. Yeah, um, called Haunting Velisca. Um, mm. But um, yeah, the, like Iowa's got four seasons, which are great to shoot in, unless the seasons don't cooperate. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of the same restrictions that a lot of states have in terms of shooting locations and stuff. Like you don't have to have a permit just to be on the street somewhere. 
Mm. Like you can shoot in front of someplace on a sidewalk or whatever. And oh, really? Yeah. Most of the time, nobody cares. You just let the you know property owner maybe know that you're going to be there, sure. but it doesn't require permits that require you to go through a process and require okay. you to pay money. You most of the time you can just be like, "Hey, Bob, can I shoot in front of your store?" Yeah, whatever, man. Fine. Give okay. me a credit. That's actually good to know. Yeah. Yeah, like you know, when I go to Greenwood, we shot at Greenwood for um, one for the road. Mm-hmm. That was basically um, going in, talking to Mo, and saying, "Hey." Is there like a Sunday that I can shoot here when because you're closed? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I've got a window from here to here on this day. All right, well, I guess that's what I'm going to do. And and that's it, right? You know, I gather a location release, you know, so that we have that. But like, I didn't have to file permits with the the Iowa film office or anything like that, any of that kind of stuff. So, did you get sued for the light? No, (laughs) yeah. He, he, I said, he came in, you know, cause you guys, I'm like, you guys go, I'll, I'll take care of this thing with the light, you know? And he comes in, I'm like, Hey, I wanted to let you know we had this weird thing happened. And he's like, all right. So we go back and look, he goes, looks up at the ceiling. He looks down he goes, huh, that's weird. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that's awesome. As long as the next thing out of your mouth is it, how much I got to pay you for that light that fell out of the ceiling for no apparent reason. Uh, but you no, know, he was he yeah. was super cool about it because I, I had given him a, a slight location for you. Just just I we had never actually talked about money, but I'm like, dude, we're here, and he had a light break. It goes good. That'll help me take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, good. <laughs> but yeah, no. But the thing about that is that's because we were cool about being there. He's like, yeah, man. If you guys need to come back again some other time, shoot something. I'm like, All right, great. I got another possible location that's if awesome. I if I schedule ahead. You know. <clears throat> so yeah. That's, I feel like that's one of the hardest things. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm working... I don't know if you see on Facebook. Right now, I'm working on yeah. like a superhero stoner comedy movie, which if you want to be a part of, you're more than welcome to. Yeah. Um, but uh, but that's been kind of... I have a couple leads, but that's always been kind of a challenge for me is like locations. Yeah. Like yep. there, I mean, especially with something like that, I feel like there's going to be a lot of people who... You know, might not necessarily want me like smoking a fake joint in there, right? <laughs> living. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, because I, I the one for the road that I shot with you a while back um, mm-hmm. was uh, one of the Stephen King Dollar Babies, right? Yeah, yeah. This is my second shot at doing a Dollar Baby. I tried to do one before, um, based on uh, it was Gray Matter, mm. which was actually one of the first ones, uh, one of the first episodes of. Uh, the creep show series when that started on shutter or whatever it was, was, was gray matter. Um, but at the time the rights were available. So that was the one I went to do. And I had the worst time trying to find an, an old grocery store type place. I found like two places that would have been perfect. And both the owners are like, you're not shooting Stephen King in my store. <laughs> like, okay, fine. Um, and so that, uh, that one just kind of stalled out. And so I was like, crap. But um, I guess it worked out in the long run because then I had, <clears throat> because I didn't, I didn't spend any of the funds that I put together for that, for gray matter. I still had it when we did one for the road, so I could you know pay to have the, the bar and and that kind of stuff. We got a couple other things I got to pay for as well. But um, yeah, no, it it just happened to work out this time because the location really it really was the location. Like if I hadn't been able to get the bar, then. I don't know what I'm going to do. Shoot it on somebody's back porch and some guy just wanders up to the house instead. Like, I don't know, <laughs> like I could do that, but I was trying to keep kind of close to the story. Yeah. So let me ask you like, uh, what, what's like your advice as someone who's like helmed like several different independent, um, projects like what's your you know because there's a lot that goes into that you know mm-hmm. you, you mentioned like you know raising funds mm-hmm. finding actors locations etc etc et yeah what 
like what's your general advice to people who are you know maybe interested in doing something like that or like someone like me who's trying to put together a movie you know uh number one advice don't be a dick people don't want to work with you <laughs> well this movie isn't getting made then <laughs> no i'm kidding the uh i tried to have a different persona on set than in my podcast yeah well <laughs> i've worked with you well, you know what i'll just not say it no. <laughs> oh come on now you have to say it no no, no. actually no you were actually you were um having worked on you uh worked with you on you worked with you <laughs> that's a whole other thing i'm supposed to tell them that man. yeah <laughs> That's, that's the other podcast. That's McAllister After Dark. Anyway, no, you 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 had everything. You, I think you did a really good job with your project. Um, Thank you, you. You had a you know you had your script. You knew what you're doing. You got your cast together. You had you had people you knew you could rely on. I mean, you had a really good team on your thing. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing is just finding people that you can work with. That mm-hmm. that that you know, help make your project better. Um, especially if they are, have a complimentary personality, something that will make up for a deficit that you have, whether it's organization or, or whatever else. Like, um, I can't tell you how awesome it was to have somebody else shooting, uh, one for the road for me. So I didn't have to look through the camera and and do all of that. Shout out Anthony, by the way. Yeah. He did both of our projects. Yep. And, uh, uh, crispy. Um, yes, did, yes. did the outdoor stuff mm-hmm. for one for the road to be able to just go like, okay, camera, you got that set up. Yep. Okay. You're good to go. Audio guy's good to go or audio person's good to go. And to be able to just do that, that's great. Um, but if you have to shoot, if you have to do it all yourself, you just do it all yourself. I mean, the, what it ends up being the, the thing that gets your project done is whatever you have to do to get it done. If that's you shooting it on your phone, all right, you shoot it on your phone. Hey, we're uh, doing the podcast on my phone. You yeah, know, well, it's it's amazing what you can do with it. Well, I'm right now. I think my phone is probably better than my actual camera. Like it'll shoot 4K and 60. Right. Damn. So, like, <laughs> I could shoot with my phone, and really, the only thing I lose is some depth of field because it's you know yeah. flat shot. But, but yeah, if that's what you got to do, I mean, uh, I had this thing one time. Somebody asked me, um, filmmakers I admire. And of course, everybody wants to just say something like Kubrick or Coppola or, or Scorsese or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Ed Wood. And they're like, what? Look, if Ed Wood, with virtually no talent and no skill and no resources, can get movies made and released when you still had to cut film and tape it together, there's nothing that says I can't just make a movie when I've got digital stuff and I can do all the things like, mm. so like I know he's looking him up. Cause I'm not actually, like, I've heard of him. Oh, but I'm not Ed, actually super familiar with his movies. Ed, Ed Wood, uh, is, is, has often been referred to as the world's worst filmmaker. And he's not, um, but his probably, why most, is he the worst? Um, just cause of the quality, just like, quali- the quality. Well, I'll tell you why he did this movie called plan nine from outer space. Oh, <laughs> I've heard of that. There movie. you go. So, I have right. heard of that so, movie. Okay. And everybody will tell you it's the worst movie ever made, and it's not. It's it's not a good movie, but it's not the worst movie ever made. But there was a book produced, I think it was called the Golden Turkey Awards or something like that, that had a list of the worst movies, and his was like the top winner for the worst movie. Um, yeah, Johnny Depp played him in a yep. uh, Tim Burton film about him. Um, Orgy of the Dead. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> no, his his movies. None of them are good, and some of them aren't even like. 
mystery science theater quality. Like they're mm-hmm. not bad enough to be entertaining, but <laughs> but he made them right. Like whatever whatever you want to say about the quality of them or whatever thing, he got movies made. Mm-hmm. I haven't released a feature film yet, right? Like. Ed Wood put out a bunch of them. They weren't great. But if he can put them out, there's no reason why I can't when I have access to way better cameras, way better editing equipment, and people who actually have talent. So, yeah, yeah. you know, then it just becomes me getting getting all the ducks in the row or the dominoes lined up or whatever, whatever analogy you want to use. So really... The, the secret to getting a movie made is just make the fucking movie. <laughs> like, I, like there's no, there's no magic bullet. You just do yeah. whatever you have to do to get movie. You have yeah. to, you have to want your movie to get made. That's it. You, you want to get it made and then you do what you have to do to make it. That's it. Like to get it done, you just have to do it. And that seems super simplistic, but like, I mean, <laughs> or you could just not do it and it can sit, you know, the script and sit in a, sh- in a drawer. So, yeah. Now I've never seen any of those movies. But oh. you really think he's better than like Kubrick? Or like Wood? Wood? Oh no, he's Oh, he's, you just think he's more influential. I think or... I think no, no, he's a terrible filmmaker. I sh- <laughs> I need to be clear about that. Like but his movies are not the worst movies ever made. I like, see, I they're, see. They're 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 okay. still they're all terrible. They're all uh, each is almost worse than 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 the, the previous. But um but no, I mean like I review movies now and I, there's a few of them I'd rather watch Plan Nine than the, than the one somebody spent six million dollars on and had like one actor with a name you recognize. Um, yeah, I yeah I don't I don't think there's any secret. You just have to make it right. Whatever you have to do to make it, and maybe that means being in somebody's house till three o'clock in the morning to get your <laughs> to to get your slasher movie made. <laughs> you got your movie made. Oh my god! Yeah, shout out House of Leopold for dealing with my bullshit on that one. <laughs> I think that, you know, that was such a perfect uh, <clears throat> lesson for me in uh, like managing time mm-hmm. and like realizing like, oh, this actually takes a lot longer than mm-hmm. uh, you plan to. And all of you guys were fucking all y'all killed it on that. Like and the fact that everybody was all still willing to like work through to the end. Yeah. I was amazed. Yeah. Although I will I will tell you, I'm like, oh, we're done. OK, good. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm but sure. Uh, but no, but that's just it. Like, you know, one of the one of the best assets you can have on a set is somebody who can figure out how to do shit when it doesn't go the way it's supposed to, right? Mm. Whether that's your producer, whether it's you as the director, whatever it is. Um, when you, when you don't have enough blood or when, you know, the, the line that's supposed to shoot the blood for your effect freezes or breaks or whatever, or, um, your actor doesn't, decide they're going to be there like the day before you're going to shoot and you get it you like you or they got to deal with their <laughs> what was it gave an issue with the somebody at his house he was like i gotta go beat somebody <laughs> i gotta go beat somebody up at my house <laughs> you know but like you know you just that's that's the thing problem solving right yeah. i guess that's really what i'm talking mm-hmm. about like even when it comes to getting your movie made you know what is it well these are the steps i've got to make well okay that doesn't work how about this well you got to do this thing you figure it out a lot of filmmaking is, oh shit, that isn't going to work or that didn't work. Well, how do we get it to work? Right? Like, um, I try to avoid, we can't do whatever X is. Okay. Mm. Um, usually it becomes, well, shit, we can't do this thing. How do we work around it? How do we do this thing? Um, when we went to shoot the 48, um, horror that we did down in Winterset, mm. um, cause it's, I, I wanted to shoot it down. 
Um, it happened to work the, the weekend of the 48 Horror happened to be, it coincided with uh, Covered Ridge Days in Winterset. And one of the things about a lot of 48 films is they look like a 48 film, which is there's like two guys in a house, right? And, you know, because that's what you have. You have a weekend and you got like four people. Mm. Um, so I'm like, I need to do something different than that. So we went down there. So we got a bunch of B-roll of like this festival and stuff. We got shots of stuff in the festival, whatever. And our final shot was going to take place at this place called Clark Tower, which is in uh, the middle of the, uh, the city park. It looks like a column off of the side of a castle, right? So it's like three levels. Oh, okay. I was going to say, have we been? Okay, yeah. yeah. So, right. Um, now, in all the years that I used to live in Winterset, and all the times I've been back to Winterset, you'd be lucky if there's like four or five people out of Park Tower <laughs> at any given time, right? So we go out there. There is nowhere to park. Because it's the festival, everybody's out there looking to take uh, pictures and do all of this stuff, right? Shit. And our final scene is going to take place at this place. And I'm like well, we're already here and this is literally the last part of our movie. We'll have to figure out how to do this. And this is one of the things that, um, you get a 50, 50 chance on when you go tell somebody you're making a movie and could you move this way out of the shot? You're either going to get, you know, fuck you. This yeah. is my thing or, Oh yeah, dude, that's awesome. Do you need me to do anything else? Yeah. Um, yeah actually. Yeah. Could you stand over here out of the way? But when I cue you scream, yeah, awesome. All right, great. <laughs> So we just worked with it. So it actually works better because there are other people in the tower when this happens. So they can respond to the thing that happens at the end of our story. The mm. only the only thing that didn't work or that we had to redo because it's it's shot as a, um, a POV film. So it's like, you know, uh, a guy with his camera, right? So everything okay. is his perspective. Um, but he is completely unaware of an element in the story, right? It's a it's a uh, we have a ghost. Right, that isn't visible to anybody who's who's like in the movie, but is visible on camera. So you can see that there's this ghost, right? But nobody is aware of it. And so the final shot was going to be him coming down to the bottom of the tower and holding the camera just loosely, the direction I needed him to hold it for this shot, because he can't see what I need him to see. The problem was the trail that we needed, which comes off of that parking space was completely blocked off by all the vehicles, right? There was, I could not get a clear shot from the base of the tower. So we had to work it so that for this moment, I guess, I don't know if he saw what was going on or he just noticed something was going on, but he literally kind of, he's like, what the hell is that comes around and, and, you know, gets the final shot that we need, which is two characters fading away at the end, walking down this trail, which any other time, no big deal. He could have been standing at the base of the tower and shot it sideways like he's just holding his camera loose, right? We can't do it this way. All right, well, shit, we got to figure out a way to do it. So we did. <laughs> That's just how it works. This is literally the final shot of my movie. I'm like, I have to have this somehow. So then it becomes, how do I solve this problem? Do I tell the guy with the giant jacked up Hemi truck I need him to move his shit out of my way? <laughs> or do I just work around the fact that I have this giant massive chrome covered penis right in the shot so i just got to work around it man I, I don't have time to deal with whatever this stuff is right because you're on a clock and sometimes that man i mean you know what that's like right mm -hmm. you know like we're <laughs> we got to run our time we gotta we've already been at this house past when we're planning on b we still got to get this shot though right yeah. you got to get the shot somehow and you got to make it work the way it did you have to adapt right your script goes a little differently than you planned on because that's how we want that's how it had to work out 
Still looks good, by the way. Just I don't know if I actually told <laughs> you that or not, but it, it's really good. It's it's a good movie. I like the whole vibe of it. It's really cool. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, but yeah, no the 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 secret ultimately to 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 getting a movie made is you just have to make a fucking movie and figure out what the what the solution is to whatever shit's gonna come up. Um, yeah, man. Well, um, it uh, like working with you has been really great. Like I feel like you have like you're someone I know that has like a very professional sense of like. Um, oh, how many how many projects have you done? Would you say? Oh God, you can't even think. <laughs> I like, don't. Just I don't so know. Many. Just yeah. just just the forty eights alone. There's probably that's probably eight or ten, maybe, and so then me, other stuff. So let me ask you this: What um, I was going to ask you this: well, What was like your pro- what's your process for making a forty eight? Like what like when it, like like how much planning goes into it? Is it all really just like on the fly? Like what like how do the days work? All that. Um, most of it is. Like we have a rough idea of, of sort of the assets we have available, you know, we know who's available or, or whatever. And I have somebody who is kind enough to allow us to use their house as like base camp. So all the, the all the pre-production post-production is done at their place. And sometimes we even shoot stuff there too, just depending on what we're doing. Um, the, whatever kind of the writing team or the people who are going to be responsible for the, the sort of pre-production stuff get together Friday night and we do the drawing, which pretty much since COVID has been via zoom, which Mm. is fine. It saves everybody traveling. Sure. Um, we select the stuff and we start sitting down and writing ideas based on whatever. Um, and the goal is usually have the script knocked out that night. So Friday night so that we can shoot all day, Saturday or Saturday night if we need to. And then Sunday is all day just editing or doing post stuff. Um, that's what usually works for us, but we also sort of create with that in mind. So we try not to, to do a bunch of stuff that's going to take place at night. So that we got to wait until mm. Saturday night to shoot it or mm. hurry up and shoot it Friday night, you know, when we're not really ready. Um, so the process is to do this as easily as possible for everybody involved. Um, because a lot of the 48s I did, um, this uh, this guy Gary DeSomber used to be producer for those when we mm. did those, and the cast he got together was often these guys that you wouldn't think of normally for movies. They're all senior citizens, right? And they're all like these old dudes hmm. um, who are fantastic together. There there there's a there was a pair of guys Jack and Ken who um, they had insane chemistry. I assumed they had known each other forever, and the first project I worked on them was the first time they'd ever met, and I would have had no idea. Wow. So we always use, we, we use the, use them for as much as we could because they work great together. They can knock the lines out really fast, all that stuff, but they're also old. I don't want to work them till three in the morning. It'd be like, all right, guys, come on, man. Let's, I need you to do one more take. We were so Get him some coffee. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Just have another one real quick here. Try this monster. See how you feel about that. Um, but, uh, so that's sort of the pattern we developed, which was, um, we do all the sort of pre-pro Friday night. And usually um, what I do is take the ideas and then create like the final script. Like we'll have a rudimentary idea and then everybody else can go home. I'll write the script and, and get it finished up. And then we'll um, come back, you know, eight o'clock in the morning on Saturday and start working on stuff. Um, And then we shoot until we got everything done and do all the editing on Sunday and any pickup shots if we have to, because we missed something in the previous day or didn't have time or in one of them, we just needed, you know, like B roll of a car driving. So the camera guy and I went out and shot those while the editor was working on some stuff. So 
Cool, cool. So, so because I've never done one before, mm-hmm. like how does it? How does it work with idea? Do they like give you idea that night or beforehand? Like how is that? Um, at the drawing at the beginning, you get a character name um, with an occupation, um, a genre, and a line of dialogue that you have to have. <laughs> Okay. And that, the line of dialogue has to be verbatim. Okay. Um, if not, you're going to get DQ'd. Okay. Um, the character has to be in the movie in some way. Like, they don't have to be the star. Sure. Like, one of them was a delivery guy. So, in ours, the delivery guy shows up, gives a character a thing, which ends up being a plot device, and it goes from there. That's it. We're done with him. But, like, last year, they had the same... The, the delivery guy was the star of... Several of them. One of them was even like literally a musical. Like <laughs> these guys put a musical together on That's a, in forty. Insane. Yeah, um, and it, it centered on this guy who was a a uh, delivery guy. It was uh, called the Man in Brown. <coughs> I think it's probably on YouTube right now. But okay. Um, but yeah, those those are the elements you get, and you have those to work with. Um, and then you know you can't use and basically any 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 material that you've shot prior to or recorded prior to sure. the event. So you just have to, everything has to be generated there. I think there's some limits for stock footage or whatever, but like generally speaking, that's what you've got to do. Everything has to be created as part of the 48 and then you shoot it and then you edit it and then you submit it. And that used to literally involve physically running a copy down to <laughs> wherever. Now they have like an online thing. You can upload the thing. So even if it takes four hours to do the upload, it registers that I submitted it at this date. It's oh, on good. time. Good. You know, or if it croaks partway through, they're like, all right, we have a receipt. As long as the data for the file matches the one that you initially submitted, you can go ahead and resubmit, you know, whatever. The system actually, I think it works much better this way because it literally was, you had to go to the drawing, do the drawing, <laughs> hang out with some people, and then take off and go do your movie. Oh, and my then, God. And then, like, the one of the the uh, the 48s, you used to have to physically go down to, like, um, you know, the Fleur at one time or the, mm-hmm. the, the place downtown that was a fire station that became, like, a community thing Hmm. um um and i completely got like the first 48 i ever did we completely deadlined on like because i had to take a physical copy down there like if i had just if i'd been able to just upload a file i'd have been fine um but i had this i was editing and i had moved something down the timeline right Hmm. i shoved it out of the way so when I went to render, it's telling me it's going to take like hours to render. I'm like, why in the hell is it going to, it's a six minute movie, but it's going to have like an hour of black space in the middle. Right. And so it, I couldn't get a render done. And then I was going to have to put, you know, and all this other stuff. Um, if I had gone to upload it and had told me it was going to be four gig or whatever, I'd be like, yeah. all right, something's wrong. I need to go back and do that. Plus I could have still gotten it submitted. Right. Like I could have figured out, chopped that off. Or I just wouldn't have rendered it, yeah. you know, and it like as a physical disc, because that was where I was running into the problem. Anyway, the doing it digitally works a lot better, but yeah, it used to be you physically had to go down there and physically had to do it. But now we have teams that compete from like Burlington and stuff like that because mm. it's all digital. Yeah. Um, you, just, you just do the, the thing via zoom or whatever, and then you submit it via, you know, 48 hour uploads or whatever the hell it is. And, and, and that's it. Um, so 
that's one of the <laughs> that that would be if you want to get a movie made, do a forty eight. Yeah, because you you get experience doing all of that stuff. You can't make the movie that you were gonna make, but you get a sense of like if you want to test drive filmmaking, like you've never made a movie before, and you're not sure how to do it, get hooked up with somebody doing a forty eight. You get a crash course in how to do it. Um. And what can go wrong? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you, you can see how all the different things that could not function, you know, yeah. whether it's a render issue or, or um, transportation or, you know, whatever it, it it's, it's a good way to test drive filmmaking and yeah. under pressure, right? You understand budget constraints, you understand time restraints. Um, so I'm a big advocate for the 48. Like I don't get anything from it. I'm not doing a commercial for them, <laughs> but uh, they're always my fallback. I know I'm always going to make at least one movie a year, right? Nice. So, um, and a lot of them have been good. I mean, like <laughs> I say that, like some of them have even been good, but like some of them, some of them literally have been like uh, you know award winners, and some of them are ones. Oh, no, nice. Like, I'm How like, many awards have you won? Um, a handful of different stuff. Like I got uh, a writing award for Drop Gun. Oh, that, yeah. Um, and then uh, the 48s have gotten different things. Sometimes it's a visual effect. Sometimes it's, um, you know, like an audience choice type thing. Oh, nice. Um, it just sort of depends. Um, I haven't done it. I haven't had like any of the big winners. Like we don't go to film a Palooza. Like we haven't won any of those from the 48. Because if you beat, you know, you do the best of city and then you win the best of city, then you go to whatever the national thing is and so forth. Right? Yeah. So. Um, but usually we get pretty good responses. People will be like, Oh yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> you know, um, even during the pandemic, um, we did one called walk in pneumonia, uh, with Sacramento, right? Mm-hmm. So Sacramento 48, because it was literally all online. Like none of us could physically be in the same space. It was still during the lockdown and everything else. We put a movie together. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you want to figure out problem solving when it comes to making a movie, that's yeah, the way to do it. Geez. Cause all of us had to shoot our own footage and then send it to the guy who put it all together. And uh, I I don't envy that, but like we got another movie done that way. So you just do what you got to do. I mean, that's the secret. Yeah, that's crazy. So obviously making a film, no matter how long it is in 48 hours, just, I mean, at face value, that sounds like, you know, stressful. I've never done one. I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to working with you on yeah. the one for this year. Um, like what, what would you say is like your most like catastrophic um, like you know, 48 where uh, like you had uh, uh, 48 where just kind of all, I don't know some, or like not even all fell apart. Just like something happened. that was like, Oh my God, like how do I problem solve around this? Um, the, the render thing on that first one was probably one of the worst. Like it felt like the worst, like yeah. I've never done the 48 before. Um, <laughs> he just fucked it and up. I'm like, I completely screwed this team. <laughs> and the guy, the guy, one of the two pretty, cause Gary was the producer in that one. The other producer was the guy, Tom Diker. Yeah. Uh, prolific talented writer passed away a few years ago super super cool guy um he never did another 48 after that oh no <laughs> i'm like dude i stopped i stopped i stopped tom from doing 48s <laughs> like he's like i can't handle the stress and i'm like oh, oh no man I, I stopped tom from doing 48s oh my god i'm terrible the uh the only other thing um that was probably close like we had you know, various problems. Um, we got DQ'd on one because we didn't have the line verbatim. Oh, so we were disqualified and I was, I, I like, okay, I, I guess I can eat that L, but like, I felt bad because that was a good movie. Right. Mm. Like, and it wasn't going to be able to compete. Like it would screen it screens. Cause they'll screen basically everything that qualifies for 
as an entry, like, but like I couldn't compete. Like once, once we did the initial screening, I was never going to be in the best of city and nothing, no matter how good the film was, um, which sort of sucked. And I felt, I, I, here's the thing. I felt bad for Sam, the guy who runs it. Cause he had to call me up like a couple of days later. He's like, dude, I need to know that you have somewhere in the film. Somebody says this line again. And I'm like, no man, it's just the one time. And he's like, I, I got it. Sorry. Like yeah, so do so. My the secret to that is make sure you get all of that shit right. <laughs> yeah, goddamn. Um, yeah, but you know it happens. I and and it was literally my fault. Like I wrote it wrong in the script. Like the actor did it the way they were supposed to. Oh. I just wrote the line wrong. So it wasn't. It's not even like I could be like stupid fucking actors ruined everything. No, <laughs> they hit the line like every time. It was just the wrong line. So that was on me. So that's <laughs> that sucked. But no, when when uh, when Gary told me Tom is never going to do another forty eight again, I was like, okay, that was <laughs> that's that was probably the worst experience for me. Like I've had I've had some that were rough going and and ones that I wasn't really happy with when we were done. But man, I was just like, I killed Tom. <laughs> he doesn't want to do forty eights ever again because of me. Uh, that's so funny. Uh, let me ask you, kind of a. Because you said you're a writer, mm-hmm. as I am, uh, kind of a topic related to that. Uh, what's your take on like AI and how that's uh, the writer strike and how that's kind of impacting things? I saw an article. Um, I didn't actually read the article, but I had a friend, or actually a mutual friend, Rob Merritt. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He, he posted an article saying that like um, someone was predicting that AI be able to create like an entire film in one day, which is just like mm. I don't. I yeah. I don't think I don't think that's entirely. I- it may, but it's not going to be good. Yeah, I mean, that's how I feel too. You can see how AR, AI art works. Like you can see flaws in it, usually like hands and certain features. Yeah. Like, maybe it's possible for AI to literally write and create an entire movie in its entirety in one day. But like, I can't imagine it's going to be good. And yeah. not like I'm going to spend 50 bucks at the theater to see it good. <laughs> Plus it still has to have material to work off of. Right. Like it, mm. it can't, it, <clears throat> like it, it, it doesn't originate things. It, it piles stuff. It scrapes the internet and finds things that, that tie in. That's how you can get it to write a story like Stephen King. Right. Like, I see. Okay. So like, it's not creating anything original. It's like that you've seen the memes where if I made an AI watch, you know, 10,000 hours of a soap opera and I asked it to write a scene and it writes a scene and it sounds exactly like a soap opera, but not one you want to watch. Right. Yeah. Like, I think it's a problem, not because I think AI could do the job of writers. I think it is a problem because executives mm, think yeah. that AI can do yeah. the job of writers. Like I, I, I don't, oh, I was afraid that was the dog. I was kidding. <laughs> It's just the, the creative water bottles. Um, I, I don't think, I mean, I could be wrong. Obviously AI keeps developing. I, at this point, I don't think it's within the, the realm of likelihood that AI can create original content that would be superior to something written by a person. Its biggest advantage is probably how fast it can do it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it can sit and knock out a script in a day or two, whereas it may take a writer that long period of time. Have you played JetGPT? I fiddled with it a little bit, but um, not a lot. And I know that for researching certain stuff, some, I know some writers were like, yeah, I've used it to, 
give me some information about a thing, right? Because it does this really super quick web crawl, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But I think the the problem when it comes to AI and writing or anything like that is that is not that it can replace people, but that the people who make decisions about who they're going to pay to do stuff think it can replace people. And when you already have an industry that's relying a lot on existing IP, what can we mine that people already like? That feels like a recipe for for you know relying on a, on AI. Like I need you to write me a new Barbie movie, or Barbie is huge. I need you to write me a Hot Wheels movie, right? Or uh, whatever other fucking toy thing Mattel yeah. is willing to sell them. So. Yeah, I can see it being competition in that sense, in that that people would choose to have to hire um, Chat D- GPT or something comparable to write a script rather than a human being, because a human being will also talk back. <laughs> you know, that's the other problem. You know, for them is they're like, no, my contract is stupid, or no, WGA and I are all like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> Because this is stupid. Like ChatGPT doesn't talk back, and and yeah. that's 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 part of the appeal too. Not mm. just that it can knock shit out that will do the job, but like just that it doesn't. It does what it's told, right? And that's like ideal for anybody who's an executive making movies or music or anything. Like if a guy who is not concerned about, I don't want to get pretentious and say the art of what you're doing, but like they don't care about what the thing is that you're actually doing. They just need a product to sell. Then yes, of course, something like ChatGPT is going to appeal to them because it doesn't require them to do anything and it doesn't cost them squat. Yeah. Whereas a uh, as a writer is going to be like, no man, first of all, I'm going to need this if I'm just going to write the script for you, and if you're going to make me do rewrites, then I'm going to need a couple other things. And by the way, if you produce this movie, I'd like a piece of that. If you're going to keep, you know, putting it in syndication or you know do whatever thing it is or stream it which is, you know, the new syndication, basically, you know, uh, you have a writer who's like, treat me like a human being yeah, yeah. and not a commodity. <laughs> whereas chat GPT is like, yeah, commodify me, baby. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's where I think the challenge really is. Do, you know, I don't think chat GPT replaces me in terms of, of talent, but it, it absolutely can replace me in terms of somebody willing to pay me versus not have to pay the chat GPT. Yeah, yeah, I think it's kind of similar to like the Marvel universe. Yeah, like I, I don't know if you're are you a fan of like the Marvel movies? And that I'm kind familiar. Of stuff? Yeah, like I some of them are good. Some of them are, you know, I can yeah. go either way on some of them. Okay, but okay. yeah, but like I feel like that's like a good example of something that like, I mean, the fan base is always there, but at the same time, it is really just people are getting over it. Yeah, like I I, I hear about it more often on the podcast. I hear about it like just, right on the street as they say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um like you know people are just kind of over the superhero movie well you know? yeah it's it's a saturation issue mm-hmm. like it, it sometimes it doesn't even matter what the quality is or isn't of the thing it's just like jesus christ how many star wars series do i need to see or how many star trek series if you're going with paramount instead um you also have the problem where dc most of their movies just suck Right. Like that's yeah. like at least Marvel's, if nothing else, they look for them. Well, quantum mania was maybe not, but like the movies at least look good. Like it's expensive. Sure. It's good, expensive eye candy. And if you're really a devoted fan of the stuff, it's, it's always interesting to see stuff that way. But like, to me, it's always weird that, that Disney Marvel puts any money into advertising for stuff like that. Like 
just leak a trailer on YouTube. The people who are going to go see your movie are going to be like, <laughs> and everybody else is going to be like, fuck another movie. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. And I, I think like when we were talking about executives, like you get the Barbie movies coming out. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are a shit ton of people who are like, I can't wait to see this. And not because they're Barbie people, right? Like, because they want to see what Greta Gerwig is going to do with this because you, it feels like this is going to be like a Josie and the Pussycats or something like that, where it's basically kicking the shit out of the thing that it's supposed to be like, well, like James Gunn, Scooby-Doo was supposed to be like before, <laughs> before they were like, Oh no, no, no. James Gunn did Scooby-Doo. He wrote, yeah. The, the live action Scooby-Doo. At the he beginning. wrote it. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Damn. Which is, which is why if you watch it, you're like, well, this was supposed to clearly be made for adults, but then they like, yeah, but we need this to sell <laughs> toys and cartoons <laughs> and shit. Yeah. You, yeah. You, but you it's see a it stoner in stoner comedy. I right. Mean, that's you, really... <laughs> right. But you see it in the tone, right? It goes back and yep. forth. Right. Yep. Like some of it's like really sharp, really like biting. And some of it's like, you know, oh, look, Scooby farted, you know, like, like, okay, man, I, <laughs> So, yeah, th- that's that's the thing that I don't think, like, executives are going to take away from the message of Barbie. They're going to be like, holy shit, you know, we did $300 million of business on opening weekend, and people who would who don't like Barbie went to go see the movie. Like, yeah, but it's not because it's Barbie. <laughs> it's because Greta Gerwig took Margot Robbie and gosling and put them in this movie that clearly is meant to take the piss out of barbie (laughs) right like nobody's that's the message they're not going to get they're going to get oh my god we just made you know i don't know like i said 330 million whatever the fuck it's just a number yeah we made a shit ton of movie on opening weekend because it's all anybody cares about anymore is opening weekend Mm -hmm. and i'm like that's yeah which is stupid because Mm -hmm. guardians of the galaxy is still making money in theaters right now right like it's still in some theaters guardians of the galaxy 3 I just saw it like a week ago. Damn. Right? It's been there since spring. It's still making money. So who gives a shit what the opening weekend is? You know, Indiana Jones, I haven't seen it yet. I probably will because let's see what happens. But like, I'm not going to run out and see it opening weekend. And most people aren't going to run out and go see it opening weekend unless they're like massive Indiana Jones devotees, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean the movie's not eventually going to make money. Mm-hmm. seeing the Anna yeah. Jones movie it's going to make me Crystal Skull still made a shit ton of money and people hated it <laughs> at least we'll tell you they hate it um, you'll find more <laughs> of them are like okay I didn't really hate it but but like that's just it the 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 the, the production of films as a as a story versus the productions of of films as commerce has been like a problem forever right mm-hmm. it just is going to be aggravated by something like chat GPT because it, again, it enables you to commodify filmmaking much more easily by taking a human factor out of it. You don't have a you don't have a pretentious director, maybe depending on how how deep you want to go. If you just wanted to write it, or if you want it to scrape images and put a movie together by stealing shit Roger Deakins shot, you know, it just it it it's. It's 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 only in competition because people see it as a way to make money without having to deal with people, right? Mm-hmm. Like every every movie you make, it's not just oh shit, I got to pay the writer, you got to pay the director, you got to pay the AD and the second AD, and all the camera crew and everything. You know, like it it just built every everybody costs money, and the commodity that almost everybody wants to cut anytime they're making a movie with no money is let's cut what we got to pay for the actors because come and go is not going to let me not pay them for the gas that I need for my generator that I have to pay for. 
right? You can't cut the corners when it comes to that, but everybody looks at cutting corners on people. We don't have to pay them as much or, you know, or if you're in Iowa, a lot of times people just assume they're not going to get paid to act, right? Because that's the first place the money doesn't go when you've got like a hundred bucks to make a movie and you have to pay 50 bucks to use the location. You're going to spend the 50 bucks to the location and you're going to buy some really nice pizzas <laughs> for the people who came out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's the thing. Like even at the independent level, that's often the thing we tend to do. Like I tried, I try to pay people when I work, when they work for me on projects, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Right. Like you're like, yeah, motherfucker, I didn't get paid to, to sit and run an audio for you the other day. What's up with that? You know? So like, I get it, but it's not cause I had to pay Mo to actually be in his bar. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, but that's just it, right? Like it, filmmaking, there's always that, that thing where people are trying to like, well, how do I cut the human factor out? And chat GPT gives them a way to, to try and do that. And I don't think it's going to work in the long run. If you want good stories, if you want to save money. Yeah. So you think there will always be kind of a niche for like human made stuff like like do you, do you ever see the ai like overtaking or do you think it'll always be kind of i i think it is going to make it harder for like i don't know how to put it cuz i don't want to even say mediocre but like for people who are just writing i mean like and there's nothing like if you made your entire living writing shit for sci-fi channel fucking a great you made money writing for the sci-fi channel but you're going to be the first up against the wall when chat gpt can do that because that's exactly the type of thing they're going to do we're going to take a bunch of pastiche shit slap it together and make a movie right so it's definitely going to start hurting you know uh, like working uh, like working writers people who who just will work for whatever fucking job like even for them, it's not really art. It's it's commerce. I need a, I mm-hmm. need to make a living writing, and this is what I got to do. Yeah. And so I write for Sci Fi Channel during the week, and then I go home and try and write my A twenty four script on the weekend, right? Like you know, or whatever the hell it is. I think that that's probably where there's probably a greater risk is like working actors, or I keep saying actors, working writers, people whose job it is to just put something together, right? Um, or to keep a. a content going for a channel right those feel like the ones who are probably at the greatest risk and then as it gets smarter then maybe maybe we do have but like i have difficulty imagining right now current chad gpt writing something like bo is afraid Mm. like regardless of how i feel about the movie or the script i have (laughs) difficulty envisioning artificial intelligence at this point writing something like that yeah i have yet to see it i really want to um and so, or I just picked a 24 because they tend to have like the more art. Things. Yeah. Sure, but like, sure. but like, I think that's, that's probably where people are still going to be able to express themselves in writing, even in competition. But I think it's still going to get harder, like, because you have to still have money to, to produce stuff. And as more executives are like, I don't need that pretentious shit. I can have Barbie 34. (laughs) I don't like, there's a reason why the eighties is eighties and early nineties are full of Friday the 13th. However many, 
right? Or, or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or the Halloween mm-hmm. movies. And why the stories, particularly in Halloween, just get worse and more convoluted because they just do weird shit, right? Like, <laughs> but somebody went, we can make this for a million dollars and it'll bring in 75 million on opening weekend. <laughs> Fuck yeah, do another one of those. <laughs> yeah. and, and then you have something like Halloween 3 where you, you don't do the thing everybody wanted. And they're like, Fuck you, I don't like this movie. Mm. The movie itself is fine. It, yeah. Whatever. It just. But it's not. It doesn't have Michael Myers in it, right? Yeah. So everybody gets pissed off because well, this isn't a sequel. To, okay, fuck. I guess we'll do. I guess Halloween Four will have him back again, you know, <laughs> because that's also how that works. Like I yeah. don't like. It, it, one of the things somebody's. I, I wish I could remember who to attribute. I'm going to say William Goldman because it sounds like a William Goldman thing to say, which is nobody knows anything <laughs> about any of this stuff. Like. Yeah you just do the thing that gets your movie made or gets your script sold or whatever thing. And sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes you have what should be a sure thing and and it doesn't hit. And you have, sometimes you have this thing out of nowhere that makes a shit ton of money. Now everybody wants to make that thing, which is how you went from like Halloween and then Friday the 13th to 45 of those movies right like yeah and like it like the 80s it was like every weekend there was like five new slasher movies right because mm. everybody's trying to get in on that yeah sometimes it hits sometimes it doesn't that's where opening weekend probably makes a difference because <laughs> once monday comes everybody's like oh dude i saw the worst fucking movie they, yeah they, <laughs> but yeah but that doesn't even matter anymore because it's all streaming you know yeah. like there's no like that sense of time just no. doesn't exist do like watching this is a thing I noticed this with Walking Dead which was like the bitchiest audience in the world after a point <laughs> but like the Walking Dead when they had the this the season finale where they introduced Negan and he kills off some characters but you don't know who right and it's going to be you'll find out the opening of the next season I don't even know if you're familiar with it but anyway that's yeah. that's the okay so you have a cliffhanger ending to a season and people were pissed and I'm like Dude, I lived in a time period where television always ran from the 1st of September to the middle of May and then it was repeats on the on until the, yep. the fall. Yep. Every season had a cliffhanger to make sure you came back. Mm-hmm. Right? Like but we don't have that. I can sit and I don't want to, but I could sit and watch all 11 seasons of The Walking Dead in its entirety. Who gives a shit about a cliffhanger ending or not? Because I'm mm-hmm. just going to go to the next movie, right? Or yeah. next episode. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing people don't realize about how television ran. It tended to run 22 to 23 episodes a season. And people are like mad when, you know, a show, you know, they had like six or eight episodes and that's the whole season. And now we got to wait for the thing. I'm like, yeah, but you also had just the story you needed. Yeah. I, you know, I used to watch shows like I was a huge X-Files guy, right? Mm. Oh, so yeah. like, yeah. you know, there's like 10 seasons of that, right? And there's like 22 episodes a season. I yep. watched all of them and half of them are shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I know everybody says, no, they're all great. No, at least half of them were yeah. garbage because uh-huh, they yeah. had to fill out a season. And now you can use the British model, which is I'm going to tell the story and it's going to take four to six episodes and that's the whole season, man. Deal with it. And so television is completely different from what it used to be. And so when you have things like a cliffhanger ending on a season and then, oh no, it's going to be three months till the next one. Oh no. 
like the only the only time I see that being a huge issue is when you have something like Stranger Things where it's like a year or two between seasons. Oh, yeah. right, like yeah. because then everybody's like, you know, and I, one of my kids is like, I'm not watching that anymore. I'm not waiting. Did you watch that last season, bro? I have seen all of them, and every episode was a fucking movie. It yeah. was insane. Yeah. Me, like Molly was like forcing me to watch. My life. I hate this. I'm not tuning in again. <laughs> but see, that's another thing, right? Like as a writer, if you were writing for television, if you were writing a series for uh, like a drama series, so an hour long show, you have 44 minutes. Mm-hmm. You have 44 pages to tell yep. your entire story and you have to have commercial breaks. Yep. So yep. every 10, 12 pages, you've got to have a, a marked break. Mm-hmm. And if you had a, a, a like a comedy or a, or a sitcom or whatever, you had 22 minutes, right? And that's with commercial breaks that you got to make up to make that half hour. So in one hand, the streaming thing has made it easier to do things like that, where every episode's just a full fucking movie, 90 minutes long, because that's the story they want to do. Yeah. Good or bad, that's the story that they the way sure. they want to do it. Or you can have a show that has six episodes, but there are... 75 minutes long, right? <laughs> whatever. Instead yeah. of, uh, you know, 44 or whatever. So that's cool, but you also have that thing where it's like, every one of these is 90 fucking minutes. But it also doesn't matter because you don't have to sit and watch all 90 minutes. You can come back to it. Like pre-VCR, if you missed something like Roots, yeah. tough shit. Mm-hmm. Everybody at the water cooler is going to be talking about Roots and you're going to be like, fuck, I missed it. <laughs> Until the 80s come along and you can buy the like double tape set and watch it but like that's the thing about tv right like disney kind of is trying to do that again because they do the the weekly releases of stuff Mm. which is supposed to keep you coming back but mostly what i hear is people bitching that they can't binge the whole thing all at once and i'm like well you just gotta wait then like people don't do that so that's the other thing you're competing against as a writer right like you got to be able to keep giving people a fix so that they'll keep coming back to your shit Mm-hmm. Or they're going to be like my kid and be like, I'm not waiting another fucking year for the next Stranger Things. I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. Well, that's another thing too, right? Is there's 50 million other things right. that you can just tune in and watch. Right. When I was a kid, you had like four channels. Yeah. Right. You had the three major broadcast ones and you had your public television. Right. And then Fox eventually showed up. Right. So then you got like five whole fucking channels if you don't have cable, which if you lived in Iowa and were in a rural town, you didn't unless you had one of those giant fucking satellite dishes. <laughs> yeah. I was like big enough to park a Volkswagen in. Yeah. <laughs> but like that was it. Right. And like with something like I used Roots as an example, every fucking person you knew was watching that that night. Like and everyone was watching it. Right. The numbers for an episode, the final episode of MASH were fucking monumental. Like literally every person who had a television was watching that final episode. People don't do that now, mm-hmm. right? Because you can watch shit whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Even exactly. if even if it's on a broadcast channel, it'll be on their website the following day, <laughs> right? Like it's this is not like oh shit I missed it I'm never going to see it again, right? Mm-hmm. You know I'm just going to wait till tomorrow and then I'll see it. <laughs> you know. And so you're constantly dealing with that. Plus you also have on top of trying to keep track of all the shit that's coming out, you have all the shit that you still haven't had a chance to watch. Yeah. And then you have all the new content. 
And so I'm always kind of concerned that there's going to be like a certain peak when it comes to streaming and all of them are just going to be like, all right, this is stupid. We're not making any more money. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. And then shit just disappears. Right. Hmm. Like, that's why I'm a huge advocate of, of like physical media, even for shit. That's a streaming show hmm. because you never know when something like the deal with max is going to happen at, you know, HBO max and, <laughs> and discovery. They'll be like, yeah, we're just going to make those shows go away. Yeah. Okay. Well, can we get them? Like, can I buy a Blu-ray? Oh no, it's just going to go away. Well, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Come right, on, man. Right. I could have, I could have like, if this was the eighties, I could have been taping this shit on T on my tape and just had it forever. You know, but instead, because it's streaming and you can't, well, you can't easily, legally just that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you don't have that option, right? Like you can't just tape shit off a of TV and then you still have it even if it never comes on again. Yeah. So I don't know, it, but it, it all comes down to money. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that's going to fuck us when it comes to entertainment. And it's always going to fuck us is, is going to be money and who's got it and who's making the decisions about stuff. And as we keep consolidating more and more companies together, it's going to be a bigger issue because like max is like, yeah, it's just not like financially a good idea for us to hang on to this. We're just going to scrap this shit for tax purposes. Mm. Well then make a public, make a public domain then if you're just going to throw it away, just turn it loose. Yeah, I agree. You know, or, or something, you know, give somebody the option of picking it up. Right. If you're, if you're just going to throw it away, let somebody pick it up and, and, even if they're not going to produce it any more episodes, at least preserve it so that it exists. Right. Like otherwise it just goes away. Mm-hmm. And I think that's bullshit. I mean, yeah. not just, not just for the audience, but for the people who produced it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's their, that's their work. Just right. like, yeah, gone. <laughs> it's just, it disappears. Right. Like, um, as a writer, there's virtually nothing of mine that exists in print. Like mm. if the internet just disappeared, all of my shit is gone and I'm not the only person like that. And there are people who make a living doing this and all their shit will just disappear. If, if the streaming channel just does that and that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> make it available somehow. If you're not going to do it, then let somebody else have it to do it. Yeah. Don't you, I almost kind of find like a silver lining in that in a way mm-hmm. though. Like, uh, I think that like it, kind of talking, you know, going back to like what we were talking about with the Marvel. Mm-hmm. Like, I almost feel like that will almost uh, bring more of a, you know, a carpet, like a, a viewpoint for people who are making independent films. Yeah, like people, uh, you know, we have YouTube, right? Like, right. there, are, there are always, like, I think there will be a time where people, like, anytime there's like, oh, there's a new show on Max, like, ah, eh, you know what? There's a show on YouTube that, yeah, um, or this content whatever that is like right. way more appealing and they're just going to naturally go to that and i don't know i think that's uh, a very positive outlook yeah i know that that's that was one of the things when youtube first showed up everybody's like oh fucking a i'm gonna have a way to release my stuff and i'm gonna become famous mm. and make a bunch of money and i don't know about got, uh, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then everybody was doing that and then it was just full of a bunch of shit yeah now you have the algorithm and that's right. a whole yeah match with that and right that's thing yep and, and that's the thing but like but it does give you an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can still put your stuff out. It can still exist. Like I'm sure that, that Max would copyright strike the shit out of one of their creators. If one of them happened to get a hold of some of their shit and turn it loose on YouTube or whatever. But once it's on YouTube, <laughs> you're never going to put it away. Even yep. if you strike that person and kill their channel, it's out there. Some dude mm-hmm. with YouTube downloaders already got it. Yep. Yep. You know, and so maybe that's what needs to happen. Maybe there needs to be more leaks. 
<laughs> of material by creators so that people can get access to them. Well, you know, I think it could happen. You know, I th- I think time and time again, you see um, whether it's like corporations or governments or whatever. Like every mm-hmm. time, every time people, you know, the more pissed people get at it, the more likely that kind of stuff starts happening. Yeah. So, you know, I think it could happen, man. Yeah, I I hope, I hope so. I mean, like <laughs> yeah. as, as a creator, obviously, yeah, I'd love to to make money yeah. doing the stuff that I like, but. I've also spent most of my life not making money at it or hardly any. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm just happy when there's shit out there that people can watch and they like it. And people are like, dude, I love that thing that, you know, whatever thing it is that I did. Oh, walking the moon. You know, it's fucking hilarious. You know, <laughs> great. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad somebody enjoyed it. I, you know, there's a feature that I worked on years ago called right in the cloaca, which is uh, it's a sketch comedy thing inspired by stuff like, I don't know, like, um, uh, Kentucky Fried Movie or uh, Amazon Women on the Moon. It's just a collection of short stuff, none of which is like you don't make a whole feature out of this. It's just like sort of short gags. Mm-hmm. So the premise is this dude's got a, a new satellite and he's flipping through channels, see different shit. That's all comedy stuff. Um, you know, that, that went through a period where it was at festivals. It went through a period where people were buying discs and stuff, and now it's on YouTube. And I maybe it's making a little money. I don't know. But like, I'm not seeing any of that. I don't care. Sure. But the movie's out there and people can see it. I can be like, dude, here's this thing I worked on. It's kind of funny, you know? And so it exists. Like it didn't disappear just because the, the, the filmmakers aren't making a fortune on it or they didn't sell it to anybody who then shelved it. It still exists. And it still makes me happy. Like I'll watch it. Like I don't usually watch a lot of stuff that I've made. Like I watch it, make sure it's fine. And once it's released, I usually don't go back and visit it but cloaca still makes me laugh it's still it's still funny it makes my day better when i watch it and it's just loose on youtube like Mm -hmm. i can i can just watch it at any point yeah um and so that's fine with me and and it's slightly edited because it's on youtube and we had you know nudity and some other shit so Mm -hmm. some of that's kind of been edited but like the movie exists (laughs) i know the the movie still exists in some manner though like people can still see it like years from now as long as youtube still exists people will see this thing that i worked on Mm -hmm. whether they like it or don't like it whatever that's that's a secondary thing and so that's one of the things that is cool about the existence of the internet as as a as a content creator that there is a place for your stuff to exist okay yeah maybe max isn't going to take your pilot okay but if you're not going to make any money at it anyway, man, put it on YouTube. Let other people see it. Maybe somebody does like it. Maybe somebody. D- <laughs> GoPro's telling telling me to fuck off. <laughs> GoPro's like, dude, wrap it up already. Get this guy out of here. He talks for fucking ever. <laughs> but yeah, the short version is thanks to the internet, a lot of stuff is fucked. But thanks to the internet, we still have access to shit we couldn't get. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a weird double-edged sword. It really is. Because I watched shit that I watched as a kid that does not exist anywhere else. But some mm-hmm. dude taped it off TV when he had a VCR and <laughs> uploaded it to YouTube. So now I can watch shit that I watched when I was like six that doesn't exist in any other format. And that's one of the things I do like about stuff like YouTube. Because stuff will continue to exist. And fuck corporations. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I one Some of the shit on my channel is record LPs yeah. that don't exist in any other format and won't. So I digitize them, dump them on. I mean, that's like right now, most of them are like story shit, like Alfred Hitchcock's horror Mm. stories for children, shit like that. Right. That nobody has like, there was an LP made 
but like nobody's going to make a CD off of it. If you see a CD online, that's some shit somebody else just made, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a Godzilla thing I did, right? Toho got pissed at me about that. I'm like, dude, you're not going to release it. <laughs> I'm not making any money and you're not making any money and I'm not taking any money from you. Just fucking leave it be. Yeah. It's there because some dude who loves Godzilla got to hear this thing he listened to as a kid and fucking loves it. Just leave it be. You're not going to do anything with it. This is what I'm talking about before. If you, if the company who owns it isn't going to do anything with it, let somebody else. Right? And YouTube is where I can archive that shit for right now. YouTube goes away, fine. I'll find something else. You know, that's... Let content exist. Yeah, I guess is my I biggest agree. thing. You know, it's out there. Let people see it. And maybe you don't make a ton of money off of it. Who gives a fuck? But... Anyway. Yeah. No, I agree, man. Uh, shit, man. We've been going for a little over an hour, oh, I think. <laughs> Welcome to your first two-parter. <laughs> yeah, well, fortunately, the fucking, they, must, they just tie their dog up out there, and it's been fucking barking last half. That's all right. So, we're, we don't have the Joe Rogan experience, unfortunately. Uh, we have a little. <laughs> it's probably it's probably better that way. <laughs> all right. Uh, Wayne, you got anything uh, coming down the pipeline, or uh, anything, any uh, content you can um yeah i mean i don't have anything immediately um keep an eye on um like facebook and shit for um uh one for the road which is an adaptation of a stephen king short story that i'm that i did i shot part of it with uh, coleman and then a bunch of the other yeah. students with uh, the class um we actually have like a facebook page for one for the road so you can kind of keep updates and stuff on that as they come although right now there's not a lot of updates um, I just, uh, I was talking about, uh, friendly faces, which is, a, a web series that I was, uh, in a couple episodes for, they're having a screening in, uh, uh, Iowa city at, uh, public space one tomorrow night. Um, they're going to probably do festival stuff for a while and see if they can get distribution so that it actually exists as a series somewhere. Um, so yeah, if you want to check them out, it's friendly faces, it'll be a bright yellow logo with the with the text in it also on Facebook. Um, and knee high will be coming out sometime soon. Um, it's a very Iowa film and <laughs> in like in a good way, it's actually a decent story. Um, produced by uh, Marissa Vaughn and shot by the team at deft, including uh, Bruce Bales. Um, so that's what I got going on. I got a 48 coming up here. So hopefully there'll be another really cool short film. <laughs> and uh otherwise yeah, i'll be helping you with that yeah. so so hopefully that'll that'll see like we try and do something different every time so you get to be the, the something different this time i guess um we're adding in somebody on the team who's under 30 <laughs> <laughs> a, a new face maybe yeah a new perspective something like that so yeah well um you know i I don't know. I haven't really kept track of it, but I knew I had a couple of people on my end who were interested in helping out too. So maybe, okay. they'll, maybe they'll come through. I don't know. All right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, Luane, it's been a fucking pleasure having yeah, you man. on, man. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, we haven't seen each other in a while, so. Yeah, it's been a while since um, you graduated or whatever. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If anybody's hiring. <laughs> yeah. If, any, if anybody wants somebody who will produce a really good thing, but probably look at you funny the whole time you're telling him how to do shit, this is your guy. Like, you want me to what? No. <laughs> this is how we're going to shoot that shot, because this is how it's going to look good. I will not wear that. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not wearing that fucking vest. A name tag? Are you serious? <laughs> I think this is Wendy's? 
Oh, shit. Uh, well, hey, it was a pleasure having you on, yeah, man. I hope to have it's good a, to be here. Yeah, have you on again sometime. Uh, guys, Cowstars Podcast every Monday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Uh, check us out. We're uh, we got we're on Apple Store, Spotify, everywhere. Um, we also have a Patreon where you can find exclusive content and episodes there. Only four dollars a month, people. Next time, next time you buy a pack of cigarettes, be like, hey, half of this, I could I could tear up half this pack and it could go to the Cowstars Podcast. Even though you've already spent the money in the pack, but the 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 the, the virtue is there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we also have a website, cowstars.com, uh, where you can find a bunch of cool shit there. And, uh, yeah. All right, everybody. All have right. a good night. We'll see you. Peace.